If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee in California Politics. Uh, sorry for a little bit of a delay. I was trying to get some different uh, technology going this morning. We're working on the different platforms, so we're trying to get some stuff. Uh, better video, better video quality, and stuff like that. And as always, you know, when you're doing it all by yourself, sometimes it takes a little time to actually get all this stuff done. So, a um, couple announcements. Uh, running the California Underground with the USA flag uh, in the background as a limited edition for this month. So if you want to grab that, uh, it'll probably just be for the month of July. And it's coming up quick at the, month of, at the end of the month of July. There's t-shirts, tank tops, all that stuff. So you can go check that out. Um let me see what else is going on uh, tomorrow night. I'm very excited. We're going to have just in time, almost the perfect timing is we're going to have uh, Anthony Cabasis um, and Karina Manuela. Um, they're going to be on to talk about far right Latinos. Uh, the New York Times had already said that being a Latino who believes in God and country and loves their family means you're far right. And it just so happens serendipitously that we at the same time also got Joe Biden comparing Mexicans and Latinos to tacos. Um, and also for her really bad uh, pronunciation of bodegas as bogadas. I don't know why they keep sending her out to talk to Hispanic groups. I guess they just feel like there's no way that Joe is going to be able to actually do what he I mean, I, I Joe Biden can't get like two sentences out. So the fact that they they think maybe Jill Biden has a better shot of getting um, getting the, the word out. But and um, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what it means and why all of a sudden, I guess, if you're a Hispanic who doesn't agree with the mainstream media narrative, all of a sudden you are going to be cast out as someone who does not get with the program and you're far right. Um, so I'm trying to imagine Joe Biden actually trying to. Uh, pronounce anything in Spanish. So I'm sure if Joe Biden is pretty bad, then I'm sure Joe Biden is probably got to be a, a lot worse. Remember, si se puede, uh, really spot on. I mean, you, you think with like a now or like people who are sort of uh, people who are around them, you have so many professionals and people around them that you would think at a certain point they'd be like, uh, okay, so first lady, Mrs. First Lady, this is how you do it. This is si se puede. Um, you want to say it correctly, right? You don't want to say, see, say Podway, okay? You want to make sure you say it correct. Uh, are we having tacos for breakfast today? Uh, no, I'm not having, I've been eating way too many breakfast tacos. It's something we make a lot um, here at the house. We make a lot, but we make them like, we try to make them as healthy as possible. Although I made breakfast tacos the other day and I figured out a really cool trick, which is if you fry bacon, like a little bit of bacon for the taco, Take your corn tortilla and then you just dredge it a little bit and then put it on the kamal and the, the grease helps to make the tortilla really pliable because if it's a corn tortilla, it could like break. Um, so my camera is reversed. What do you mean my camera is reversed? Is it because it's from a different angle? Yeah, we're at a different angle today because we're trying something out. So if that's what it looks like. Looks a little different today. So trying out different technology. Obviously, we're trying to make good improvements to our videos and stuff like that. And so 
Um, but anyway, let's start off with the first top topic of the day, which is this idea that California is going to get into uh, trying to make their own insulin because making your own insulin is super easy, guys. It's like super easy and you can do that. Um, this is something that Noodles has wanted to have for a while. I guess he's been pushing for this. And, and once the budget has been passed just recently, uh, in it, you saw $100 million for low-cost insulin. So his whole thing is that he wants to create low-cost insulin that the state makes. Because in his words, the state is the only solution to market failures. Now remember that. He always thinks that a solution to a market failure is always the government which is not always the case. Something may fail because there's something wrong with the market itself, and government in intervention is probably not always going to be the best solution. So uh, earlier this year, the Assembly, Senate, and Governor Newsom agreed that California should begin its own low-cost generic insulin and set aside $100 million in the new budget for it. Once the over $300 billion budget was passed li late last month, so was the insulin program, prompting Governor Newsom's office to release a press release noting the new program. Quote, want insulin? California will be producing our own insulin to make it cheaper and more affordable for everyone, exclaimed Newsom's July 1st press release. Quote, the budget invests $100 million to develop and manufacture low-cost biosimilar insulin products to increase insulin availability and affordability in California. Uh, it goes on to say, nothing epitomizes market failure more than the cost of insulin, said Newsom on Thursday. Many Americans experience out-of-pocket costs anywhere from $300 to $500 per month for this life-saving drug. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue, and we have to obviously address this, but uh, there's obviously a lot of things in it. They always try to see, make it seem like uh, it's always the market's fault. It's always these big, greedy pharma corporations that are going to they're the ones who are racking up the price when in reality it's the game more than anything um i heard that for example it takes about i don't know around two billion dollars in investment to uh get your product if you're a pharmaceutical company to get your product from idea to actual implementation because you have to go through a number of studies and you have to go through so many studies. You have to go through all these regulations. You have to go through this whole process. Hence why they did this whole warp speed thing with the COVID vaccine was because they wanted to get it out fast. And if they did it like the normal way, it would take years to get out. Um, but usually it takes a long time and a lot of money to come out with your own drug, your own pharmaceutical drug. So now you have Gavin Newsom, who has basically declared that $100 million should be enough to get my own insulin onto the market. Another factor that he doesn't think about is the fact that a lot of insulin, just the normal insulin, just normal insulin, has been generic for a while. But every time they put a little bit of an update on any sort of insulin, there's a new patent. And then that patent runs for 20 years. So you have a lot of these pharmaceutical companies, what they're doing is, They'll switch it around and they'll say, okay, well, now the insulin is going to be this or it's going to have this different compound or it's going to be in a different way of delivery. So now we have a new patent and that's why it's going to cost so much money. Again, this $100 million that he's put aside to me seems like a really, really, really low ball 
estimate. And obviously it looks good. It looks good that he's going to come flying in and say, hey, everybody, look at this. I'm going to create generic insulin for the low cost of $100 million. You know, that's not much out of a $300 billion uh, budget. And he's going to make it seem like, look, the government can do these things better than the free market. When in reality, it's the government that really is sort of getting in the way of the free market being able to make this really affordable. Uh, now, this is someone, her name is Carla Chavez. She's a consultant on manufacturing facilities. She said to the California Globe, there are a ton of federal regulations on everything from construction to storage of insulin to manufacturing, right down to who can be hired in facilities making this. So there's a lot of federal regulation already, right? And there's, there is this enormous amount of federal regulation that does make it super costly. Again, Gavin Newsom doesn't want to admit that maybe the reason why insulin is so expensive is there's so much government regulation in the way and makes it really hard to produce sort of cheap insulin that if there was a completely free market, insulin might be almost so cheap, it might be almost free. Um, She goes on to say where they choose to make the insulin, for example, can have a huge political consequences. These are pretty good paying jobs, even down on the line. Do you build in a central location, say Modesto, so that the drugs will have a more equal route to travel and generally have save on salary? Or do you go for L.A. where these jobs are very much wanted? Or do you go to the Bay Area and score some brownie points with the local leaders? Or is it closer to the rail lines or major trucking hubs for ocean access? You're going to have lawmakers mad no matter what you do. But something of this magnitude can maybe make people less favorable towards you for being snubbed. While not exactly the same, other states have felt this when recommending facilities for foreign companies to move to, especially helping one depressed city by ignoring all the others. Finally, she goes on to say, and that is just one consideration that can take a lot of time to look at. Making your own insulin sounds a lot easier on paper. This is highly regulated. Everything around this has miles of red tape just like the pharmaceutical drugs. I really hope the state has thought of thought all of this through a hundred million dollars seems like a really low ball estimate here to, uh, with what they have in the road ahead of them. I think there's some grammatical errors in there. Maybe they didn't proofread this. Um, so she nailed it on the head, right? And I think a hundred million dollars is a really low ball number for something that is supposed to be turning the insulin industry on its head and somehow in some way uh that's gonna that's gonna fix it um i fully expect uh that this will probably end up a lot like the bullet train on the sense that uh you're gonna say it's 100 million dollars but then year after year they're gonna keep dumping more and more money into it and who's also gonna be picked as the people who are going to produce this who are the people who are going to get the kickback? Who are the people? Obviously, they're going to have to partner with private companies, and obviously, they're going to have to. They're they're not going to build their own pharmaceutical company. I mean, their own state run. But don't put it past them; they might actually do something like that. Uh, but who are they going to partner with? What connections do these people have with the Newsom administration? So there's a lot of questions about this, and obviously, this is going to be as we watch this go through. I think this will be something that. The longer this goes on, it'll be more of an example of how when the government gets involved with the economy, things don't go so well. And it always seems to be, well, if the free market fails, then obviously government is the solution. And we really need to get out of that sort of mind frame of thinking that if the 
free market fails, it's probably because there's something wrong with the free market itself and not necessarily that government is going to be this uh, white knight that comes riding in, saves the day and makes it so that you can um, so that they'll fix everything as if all the answers are always in front of you. And all you had to do was let the government just do what they had to do. It was just so simple. The government could do it better. And we've not we've seen throughout history time and time and time again that the government always usually seems to muck up a lot of their own private enterprises. They seem to muck up a lot of their own uh, solutions for these free market issues. Um, and sometimes they just make it absolutely worse. And so this is probably going to be a prime and recent example of why the government is going to muck up the free market. And it, this is probably going to end up being more costly than they expected. I, I fully expect it's going to be co more costly than they expected. And at the end of the day, this is going to cost a lot more than $100 million. And the fact that they only have $50 million set aside for a, a factory makes me believe they're not really being super serious because with the amount of unions that are going to be standing there with their hands out expecting the government to give them the contracts especially when they're government contracts do you think that they're going to try and do these things ahead of schedule and under budget no i don't think so at all i think they're probably going to figure well there's going to be more money where that came from so let's just keep taking as long as we need and charging more for the materials and the labor and you know that 50 million dollar factory could easily be 200 million dollars by the end it, it's um by the, the by the time it's over so um there's some other things i want to pull out uh from this is from cal matters uh let's see let me pull this up <laughs> um the stories of people with the rationing their insulin because they can't afford their prescriptions are commonplace between 2012 and 2016 the price of insulin doubled prompting higher out-of-pocket costs for diabetics According to Healthcare Cost Institute, today a 10 millimeter vial of insulin can go from anywhere from $170 to $400, depending on the type and brand. A person usually needs two or three vials a month, and some may need more. Um, let's see. In 2020, Newsom signed into law, and we already talked about that. Uh, insulin is a biological drug, meaning it's made from the living cells. Medications that copy a brand name biological are called biosimilars. Like generics, they tend to be more affordable. Uh, drug manufacturing isn't the only source of the problem. Executive Director of Value of Life Science at uh, the University of Southern California Schaefer Center, she said policymakers seeking solutions should be looking at all the players involved in the supply chain, from drug manufacturers to wholesalers, pharmacies, insurers, and pharmacy benefit managers, which are companies that negotiate prices with drug makers and pharmacies on behalf of an insurer. All entities profit and contribute to the final price, she said. Do, 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 and that's about it for this. But um, let's see. At least 15 states have passed their own laws limiting insulin co-pays from $100 for a 30-day supply in Colorado to $25 in New Mexico. So they created the problem, and now they want to fix the problem, which is what government always loves to do, is they create the problem, and then they try to fix the problem. Right. If if politicians were ever concerned about actually fixing problems, we'd actually have a lot of problems that could be fixed. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like they really want it. I mean, how else are you going to make more money? How else are you going to raise taxes if all the problems are gone? Right. So uh, this next story. I wanted to talk about 
which I was reading about this morning, is abortion pills will soon be available on California campuses. As California efforts to enshrine abortion access continue, the University of California and hold on one second. One second. One second. Here we go. Let me start over. As California's efforts to enshrine abortion access continue, the University of California and California State University are working to provide medication abortions on all campuses by January 1st. So far, none of the Cal State campuses offer medication abortions and access within the UC system varies from campus to campus. Both university systems, however, say they are on track to implement a law passed in 2019 requiring their student health centers to provide access to the pills. Uh, quote, because there's going to be an increase in people coming to California, I guess they believe that there's going to be some sort of deluge of people coming to California to get abortions, that it's just going to be people stampeding over the border to come and get abortions here in California and not other states that might allow it closer to them. Because there's going to be an increase in people coming to California, all of the clinics are going to have, you know, additional demand and kind of struggle with capacity. Right. Because that's their that's going to be their excuse is that the stampede of people who are coming over to California that just absolutely have to get abortions uh, will create a surge on all the capacity and it won't be able to handle how many people are going to come and get abortions. So obviously this is the rationale for why people on California campuses need to have access to medication abortions. While it's not necessarily going to help all the people coming from out of state, it's just generally going to increase the number of abortion providers. Um, as campuses start providing medication abortions, many students will spend less time on the road and will see out-of-pocket costs decrease. Getting a medication abortion often involves a couple of appointments, either in person or virtually, and receiving a prescription. Uh, keep going, keep going. And I think that was basically all I want to talk about. So this is something that they they believe that because there's going to be such a deluge of people who are going to be coming across and coming over to California because they need abortions that they figure they'll just keep all the kids who are on campuses. Now these are pretty big campuses. These are campuses that are, you know, tens of thousands of people. They're really big campuses. So I guess they believe that there's going to be that many abortions, not only from college campuses, but also the people coming in that this is something that they need to pass. Um, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what a medication abortion is. I mean, they say it is an abortion. It's, to my knowledge, someone in the chat can definitely let me know. It's not the same as plan B. Um, but if it's something that they need to take care of and it's something that they can do on campus. Um, but again, it's just this belief that they want to make it as normal as possible here in the state of California, that they want to make it almost acceptable, almost like you can go to your corner, uh, Bogota, and get whatever you want to have a medication abortion and... It, this this sort of rationale or this sort of belief that you're gonna that they just need to have more access to abortion um, I think they're playing it a little bit too far and yesterday I was talking to uh, the this group conservative order of good governance they actually gave me this really great flag I want to thank them for that this flag was actually flown over the US Capitol so that's a pretty cool gift um, and uh, I was talking about how prop one is, I believe, something that they may have shot themselves in the foot with. And I believe that they shot themselves in the foot because 
I, I when people see really what prop one is going to be and what it's going to allow, I doubt there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to go for it. Because in reality, most people, when it comes to abortion, they're sort of right in the middle when it comes to what their stance is. People are sort of in the middle. They believe that there's should be some acceptances, but not like past 15 weeks. Um, it's not the polar opposites that a lot of people seem to think this whole argument is, that it has to be either completely uh, like unfettered um, access to abortion all the way up until delivery, and then there's the other extreme, which is that it should be banned entirely. Uh, most people live right around the middle, which is that they believe there should be access, but it shouldn't be that much. And I think with Prop 1, they may have shot themselves in the foot because I do believe that a lot of people, when they see what's going to happen with Prop 1, I think a lot of people are going to look at it and go, mm, I don't believe that much. I don't believe you should have an abortion up until the day that you can actually deliver the baby. Um, and with you know a large Hispanic community, a large Asian American community that can both be very religious, I doubt that either one of them are going to overwhelmingly uh, vote for prop one. So we will see what happens and we'll see. It'll be interesting to me. I, I still believe it'll probably pass because I think enough people will show up as sort of this is their lightning rod to get people out to the polls. They can't focus on anything else in California. So this is one thing they can use to get people out to the polls. Um, but it is something that they can certainly use to get people out to the polls. But I don't think it's going to, I, I think when we look at, and we look at really the breakdown, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting sort of snapshot of where California politics is and where voters are right now, which I believe is even more important, um, in terms of where do people line up on a lot of these issues. So, um, with that said, I uh, I didn't really have this was basically all I had for today in terms of the news, um, but I did want to open it up to any sort of comments or questions. That's the point of coffee in California politics uh, is that you can we can sit and we can chat. And if anybody has a comment or a question while I drink my coffee, uh, we'll go to chats. Otherwise, this might be a really short coffee in California politics. It's a major distraction from real issues that everyday people are facing. Yeah, it's it's well, it is a distraction, just like January 6th. It's going to be a distraction in terms of uh, not facing how expensive gas is, how there's no way you can buy a house in California, how the economy in California is really prohibitive if you're middle class and down. Um, but if we can enshrine abortion in the California Constitution, that will be probably the most important thing. So. SB 107. Let's look that up. I think you told me about this the other day. So let me look this up. Hold, please. Talk amongst yourselves. Waiting for the internet to load. Waiting for. Why is this taking so long? It doesn't want me to see. It's all a conspiracy. They don't want me to see what SB 107 is. There we go. Um, oh, okay. This bill would prohibit... Let me bring this up on... 
this bill would prohibit a provider of healthcare, a healthcare service plan, or a contractor from releasing medical information related to sensitive services or related to person or entity, allowing a child to receive gender affirming healthcare in response to a criminal or civil action, including a foreign subpoena based on another state's law that authorizes a person to bring a civil or criminal action against a person or entity that allows a child to receive gender affirming healthcare. The bill additionally would prohibit law enforcement agencies from making or intentionally participating in the arrest of an individual pursuant to an out-of-state arrest warrant based on another state's laws against providing, receiving, or allowing a child to receive gender-affirming health care. The bill would prohibit the extradition of an individual charged with violating another state's law that criminalizes allowing a person to receive or provide gender-affirming health care. Okay. So, the bill would prohibit the enforcement of an order based on another state's law authorizing a child to be removed from their parent or guardian based on the parent's gender-affirming health care. Gender-affirming health care, uh, broken down in plain English, obviously has to do with whether your child or minor wants to transition. Um, that's how they flower, use the flowery language, that if you want to have a child who uh, wants to go through the process of transitioning, Guess what? You can come to California. And even if you go to a, if you're from a state that doesn't allow gender affirming health care and any and any sort of transition for minors, you can uh, actually be prosecuted under this law. Now, it'll be interesting to see because there is an issue of state sovereignty. There is an issue of if you're from this state and you get it done in another state. Um, it will be an interesting debate legally. Uh, let's see. So California can override other state laws. Any person get bring another state and get them gender affirming health care. I guess the issue is, is that you could come um, from another state and get this done. It's similar to what happens if you go from one state that doesn't allow the purchase of marijuana and you go to Colorado or you go to uh, California, for example, and you buy marijuana there. It's not like your home state is going to say, well, you, you're going to be under arrest because you bought marijuana in another state. I guess that's the principle they're starting to go off of. Um, but again, this is one of those bills where they're just sort of opening the door for a virtue signal. Um, and you they want to make it seem like everybody is going to be flooding in to get their gender affirming health care. But it will be interesting. I, I'm just reading this right now, and I'm trying to think of how they're trying to... If the other state law says that children should not be allowed to get gender-affirming health care, and it says here or anywhere else, um, maybe it might cause an issue of state sovereignty and what's going on between the states uh, and whether one state can allow it and one state can't. If one state is trying to prosecute and the other state says you can't prosecute... I think yeah, the language is very interesting because they're trying to say, well, if it's illegal, uh, your law law enforcement agencies or your prosecutors can't prosecute this person because we're going to protect them. Um, but guess who's the author? Not surprising who the author is. It's Scott Weiner. Uh, he loves to put out a lot of these bills. Let's see where it's at right now. As of June 28th, it do pass as amended and be referred to the Committee on Appropriations. Uh, it was introduced, it looks like it was introduced way back in last year, March 9th, 2021. 
And then in January 6, 2022, it was finally brought back. And then June 8th, it started to pick up steam. And then June 28th. So those were the different votes. Um, let's see. Oh, no. It actually goes farther back. Excuse me. January 5th, 2021, it was introduced into the Senate by Scott Weiner. Uh, because these were the really important issues in 2021 um, that needed to be tackled. And 2021, let's just say things were not super great here in California because we were still under, well, we're still under a state of emergency, but we were still under a lot of COVID restrictions. But this was really what was important here in the state of California. Um, I, I will be interested to see, you, you know, if you can find me another law, what they're talking about. That would be a lot easier to figure out what they're talking about, because um, if it does have sort of a clash with another bill, then that legally may bring up a lawsuit as to one state and another saying that you can't allow minors to have gender affirming surgery or anyone who helps and evades in it will be prosecuted. And then if California does it, uh, then California is aiding and abetting and people in California are aiding and abetting and people um are aiding and abetting so that may may create an issue with another state so i mean you can commit a crime in one state and then go to another state and you're still on the hook for a crime in the original state so um yeah i'll be interested to maybe dive into this and see where there is a bill or a law on the books that says that getting gender affirming surgery or assisting someone with getting gender affirming surgery in or out of state is uh punishable by by prosecution so if that's the case that will be the real uh that'll be the real legal issue going on right there so how does somebody ask how does he keep getting away with these radical bills well because he's from the bay area and he doesn't have to worry about any of the repercussions um going to miss eating in and out but i don't want to be on california insulin um yeah, he doesn't have any pushback. And when he gets to push a lot of these crazy ideals. Now, like we talked about last week on the Legislative Roundup when Jonathan was on the show, which I would highly suggest you check out because there's a lot of bills that actually went by the wayside thanks to pressure, political pressure, people like us calling in, writing in, and all that stuff. I think there was definitely a, there's definitely some good news. A lot of Richard Pan's bills have seemed to have died out or they effectively have no teeth anymore. Um, but when it comes to like Scott Weiner, he just likes to push all of these really radical Bay Area bills. It's always about gender affirming this, gender affirming that. And um, he believes he's making some really big, important moves. Uh, but when you have a super majority of Democrats, who's going to stop him? Again, that's why it's really important that you have to get rid of the super majority in the California legislature, because bills like this would die a lot quicker if there was no super majority. If it was split even 50 50 these bills would never see the light of day and they probably wouldn't even be introduced. They might be introduced by radicals like Scott Weiner, but they wouldn't get as far as they do in our legislature right now. So, all right, what else you guys got for today? What other questions? What other comments? He's uh, yeah, he's adamant on stripping parental rights. He is not a fan of allowing you to do what you want to do or what you are entitled to do as a parent um, and how to raise your kids. In reality, it's he believes that the state owns your kids. And that's a scary notion 
is that the a lot of these these leftists and these statists believe that you, the kids don't belong to you. Children don't belong to you. You don't get to have a say in their life and in their decisions. And sorry, the state gets to figure out what's best for your child, whether it's their teaching, what they're teaching in public school, uh, what they're allowing, what they're decriminalizing. They don't believe you know what's best for your child. Um, and again, stuff like that, I don't think really resonates with the majority of Californians when it really comes down to it, that we want to strip all of your parental rights away when you are when you're a parent so uh let's see any other questions comments what's going on again like i said tomorrow we're going to have uh anthony cabasis and karina manuela who are going to be on to talk about uh i guess we can call it far right latino summer what are your thoughts on the coming supply shortage due to truckers being pushed out of california well i i mean i wish uh I wish my wife was here to talk about it uh, because she's much more of an expert than I am um, when it comes to trucking. Uh, and it's it's going to be a problem. And, and the, a, this is one of those things that AB5 was drafted by our favorite Lorena Gonzalez because they were trying to push back on a lot of the... Uh, well, I guess they were trying to push back on Uber and Lyft and all of these ride shares, which... When you enter it, you know that you're going to be a contractor. You know you're not going to be an employee. You know, Uber and Lyft give you the freedom to kind of do what you want to do, work on your own schedule. You want to drive it around. You got extra time. You flip on your Uber app. You start picking up a couple fares. Maybe you make a quick hundred bucks or something like that. Um, that was the idea. And this idea that, well, no, they all want to be employees and they all want to be taken care of. Um, I'm not sure they were all necessarily on board with that, and they didn't really want that. Maybe they thought that they were going to get some sort of health care. Um, but that was really the crux of AB5, was that they wanted to make it so that Uber and Lyft, because it's funny that it was aimed so much at Uber and Lyft, because they wanted to try and help them become employees, and then those employees unionize. And you know, Lorena Gonzalez does anything she can to help the unions. Uh, when it, then there was the proposition that exempted Uber and Lyft and all these ride shares anyway. Now you're still stuck with all these different uh, people who are beholden by independent contractor laws. And you can't be an independent tr contractor unless you're engaged in sort of the same exact sort of uh, if you're no, you can't be an independent contractor if you're engaged in the same business as each other. Uh, so, for example, for like me. Um, if I want to hire a paralegal as an independent contractor, uh, you can't do that, right? I can't hire an independent contractor paralegal who just wants to work from home and, and they have a whole bunch of different clients. I can't do that. They either have to set up an LLC, uh, some sort of corporate formation. They have to set up their own business and then, then it's fine. Then you can actually have them as an independent contractor as long as they're a business. Why? Because guess what? When you're an LLC or a corporation, you get $800 every year from them. So obviously an incentive for the state for everyone to start filing as LLCs and corporations. Uh, but if I want for myself as an attorney, I can go be an independent contractor for other people because lawyers are exempt. So what I'm trying to say, and then getting back to the trucker issue that you brought up, it has this sort of trickle down effect 
where a lot of these truckers are independent contractors. They own their own truck. They work for different companies. They may haul something. They may do this. Uh, they may have one contract that they have to do. Um, but at the end of the day, if they have to be an employee of somebody and they're their own person and they own their own truck, it's going to cause a problem because that was the idea. You're sort of your own businessman if you can buy a truck, take care of the truck, and then all your job is is kind of moving loads around the country. And in California, if you can't be an independent contractor, these trucking companies, these delivery companies are not going to start paying truck drivers as employees. Um, so that really causes a huge issue when it comes to the supply chain because of the fact that, well, where are you going to find all the truckers? The truckers are independent contractors and they move our stuff around. So, uh, but they don't really care about that. They care about whatever the unions ask them to do. And, and that's basically it. So AB five might be one of the worst bills that has been passed uh, recently that has such a, had such a huge, enormous impact on our economy here in California. And that's just one aspect of it. We have a lot of other aspects. The trucks have to run a lot cleaner. They have to meet California standards. Um, so a lot of trucks, like when there was that, uh, and again, this is sort of secondhand. This is what was told to me. Uh, when we had the issue at the ports where we weren't getting enough stuff out and there weren't enough truckers, uh, it was mostly because one, there wasn't enough. The the trucks that were coming in were not California compliant. They weren't being they weren't being allowed in, even though people were ready to come in. People were ready to come into California and help out as much as possible. Well, because they're going to get paid to do so. If there's high demand somewhere, they're going to go get it. Um, but a lot of these trucks could not come in, so there was only a limited amount of trucks that could start taking a lot of this stuff out. And that's something that if Gavin Newsom really cared about the problem. Um, then he would have waived that while there was an emergency that there wasn't enough people, there wasn't enough truckers going to get stuff from the ports. He could have said, look, I have the state of emergency powers. We're in a, we're in a supply chain crisis. We have all these, these boats hanging off the coast of California and Long Beach and all that stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to waive this requirement for a while so that we get rid of the backlog and that way we can get caught up because then all these trucks can come in and get this stuff. So that was one issue too. It's really hard to be a trucker in California. Let's just put it that way. It's really hard to be a trucker in California. Uh, it's not easy. So you have to deal with a lot of regulations, obviously a lot of environmental regulations, a lot of stuff like that. So um, what else? What else? Somebody mentioned Uber files. I don't even know what that is. Am I that out of the loop? Again, I don't know what the Uber files are. I'm not really sure what the Uber files are. Someone wants to give me a quick rundown of what the Uber files are. Nope. Nobody wants to talk about the Uber files. Is it like the X-Files? Maybe. Maybe it's like the X-Files. I don't know. Also, the regulations on diesel trucks. Yeah, it, it's incredibly, incredibly hard um, to run trucks in California. It's really, really hard. Um, yeah, someone said there's a, there's a whistleblower, and I didn't even know that there was 
an Uber whistleblower. I guess we could just look it up. That's the point of having my computer right here. Uber whistleblower. One day ago, um, Uber whistleblower business. And let's look at Market Watch and see what they say. Uh, Uber whistleblower company mess massage the facts to earn the trust of drivers of consumers and the political elite uh former uber executive mark mcgann leaked thousands of documents from kalanick era to the guardian ride hailing giant contends uber is a different company now i regret being a part of a group of people which massage the facts earn the trust of drivers and consumers and of political elites is my duty to now speak up and help governments and parliamentarians right some fundamental wrongs um McGann was a former top lobbyist for Uber in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Came forward Monday as the whistleblower who provided company presentations, security reports, and emails from the ride-hailing giant. Interesting. Hmm. What does the new gun bill allowing gun manufacturers to be sued mean for us? They're going to stop selling guns in California. Uh, We'll see. I mean... Probably there's probably going to be a lot of gun manufacturers who just go, I'm not going to deal with this stuff. So I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. Like I'm not going to deal with the li- the liability of possibly being sued. So they're most likely not going to be around much longer. Um, and I wouldn't blame them. I mean, if there's a law that says that they can sue gun manufacturers, it's only a matter of time. If something happens and y- you know, there's gang violence or something, it just happens to be, you know, I don't even know how many gun manufacturers there are in the state of California. Uh, so do I think it'll get challenged in court? Oh yeah. I think it'll absolutely get challenged in court. Uh, mostly be on a, on sort of a torts liability, like a torts basis. So torts are like injuries, um, any sort of personal injury or anything like that in most. And I, I, I'll try and break this down so that, you know, it gets pretty wonky in like law school terms, um, what you're looking for, but like product liability, there's like this idea, like the stream of commerce, and that there's like you're not supposed to use items for what they were not intended for. Um, and there there's always been this assumption that or in law, there's always been this belief that, you know, you, you as a product manufacturer, you are sort of limited or you are protected from what your consumers might do wrongfully with your items. Um, you know, one of the biggest comments is like you buy a baseball bat because you want to go play baseball, not because you want to go and bash someone's head in. That's an abnormal use of the product. Um, And I guess they'll be arguing over the fact of whether uh, if a firearm is used to, well, I guess they could say a firearm is used to shoot at people or animals. They may say, well, then that's why we can sue them is because there is liability there. But I would say that's not the intent of gun manufacturers is to have people run around and kill people with their handguns so that'll be an interesting products liability question to see whether or not they actually go through with it and whether or not they extend the liability from gun manufacturers to what happens out on the streets because if there's, like I said, if there's gang on gang violence, let's say like, I, I don't even think they have a manufacturing pro- uh, plant here, but let's say uh, like Glock or something like that. And then all of a sudden someone goes, well, you know, all these people were shot in gang violence because of your weapon. We're going to sue you now. 
Well, the point is not for you to go murder people with our guns. The point is probably self-defense, not necessarily go out and intentionally murder people. So they keep making it harder to stay here more and more. Yeah, I, I think I don't know what their ultimate plan is, but, uh, you know, this is something that maybe I'll do another whole episode on. I was going to do an episode on this because of what happened in Sri Lanka and what's going on in Holland. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, go, uh, you know, I posted it to my series, my stories, but um, what's going on in Sri Lanka and what's going on in uh, the, the, in Holland is a lot of these green policies are being pushed more and more right and at a certain point it actually is too much and now you can see the collapse of these societies because of that and i think california in its own way is a microcosm of what's happening around the world um where california is continually pushing and pushing and pushing these green policies and more green energy and all this stuff um, to the point where it might just bankrupt us as a state. And then the people will, might go, wait a second. Now, of course, they have the the great benefit of having the federal government that's going to bail them out. Um, but, it you know, to bail out California is not going to be that easy. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I think uh, maybe I'll do that next week. That might be a good coffee in California politics next week is to really talk about like what's going on with Sri Lanka and Holland and explain sort of how maybe California is on the same path of like it's getting so hard to live in California because they keep pushing more and more green energy. Uh, I mean, they want to ban cars by the time it's 2035. They don't want you to have a gas car. They've already banned the use of gas powered uh, motors, even with like landscaping, like you can't even use that stuff anymore. Um, so yeah, I think they keep pushing this stuff and I keep, they, they keep pushing all of this green energy and the, these green policies. And the result is that these countries fell. I mean, um, yeah. And that's basically it. So I would definitely check it out. I would definitely see what's going on with Sri Lanka. Um, so, so yeah. Let's see. There we go. Yeah, and, and prices are going to go, can you do an episode on the California Exodus? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. We can do absolutely do an episode on the California Exodus. I mean, people are voting with their feet. And that might be the biggest. Instead of a vote in a ballot box, that might be the most powerful vote of all, which is voting with your feet and just leaving. And you're losing that tax base. Um. And they're moving to other states. And that was sort of the idea of why we have the system we have is where other states try different things and they're supposed to try different ideals. And if people like that way of living, they go to that state and they move to that state. And that was sort of the idea was that all these different states were supposed to be sort of their own little microcosms and they can do what they want. Um, and moving with your feet is the voting with your feet is the biggest thing. 
That's what Gavin is now begging for people to move to California under the guise of freedom so he can keep getting those tax dollars. Um, well, yeah. I mean, he knows how many people left and he's trying to pretend like um, if you move back to California, there's more freedom here. Well, we talked about that last week on Coffee and California Politics about how much freedom we really don't have here. But, I mean, he dropped $500,000 on that ad. So, I mean, he's sitting on like $20 million in his campaign fund. So, it's not surprising that he that he uh, he spent that money. I mean, he's basically just lighting piles of money on fire just because he can. So, And anything he can do to sort of dig at DeSantis, which is funny because he seems so obsessed with DeSantis. And DeSantis is just like... I don't really care. I don't really care what Gavin Newsom says or what he does. I guess not really. Uh, I'm too busy running Florida. Um, all right. What else we got? A couple more minutes. Um, I have friends moving out of California monthly. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to live in California. Not going to lie. You know, even it used to be, it's hard to live in like coastal areas like San Diego or LA or San Francisco, but now it's becoming, it's hard to live anywhere really even the central valley and the inland empire and places like that it's getting harder and harder to live like houses are going up i mean a house in uh where was it we were temecula we were looking at uh, a house there is still five hundred fifty thousand dollars. do you know offhand how many people moved out of california versus how many people moved in last year um no but i know it was a net loss for california so we've had a couple years where it's like a net loss. The oil and gas industry here is about to be displaced. Yeah. And, and that's another sad thing is that there could there's so much potential for economic growth and economic prosperity here in California. Um, but at the end of the day, just again, these green policies and a lot of this government overreach is really killing a lot of uh, any sort of chance of economic prosperity. I always say that they would say, oh, well, California is the fifth largest economy and it's so fantastic and it's doing so well. I would say it's the fifth largest economy despite everything they do because people still want to come to California and there's still a lot of money in California. But at the end of the day, if, there was, if you really unshackled the power of California, it would be a behemoth, it would be a monster of an economic uh, powerhouse if we unleashed really the economic might of California. We just visited friends in Idaho. It's sad because people coming from Cali are running natives out of California because they can't afford it. Well, yeah. Um, people, uh, well, they, they cash out here. They take their cash out here because maybe they bought their house years and years and years ago for $300,000 or something like that. They sell it for $800,000. Um, and then they have this big pile of cash and they can go and they can outbid basically everywhere in Idaho or Arizona or Nevada or stuff like that, or in Texas, because a lot of Californians are just like, well, I could take this big pile of money and we can move somewhere else and live in a much bigger house, like a McMansion or something like that, instead of living where we leave. Um, shoot, I need to find a Temecula home you mentioned. Sounds cheap. It, no, it was actually a nice home. It was pretty good. But I don't want to live in Temecula, so Temecula is too far from everything. It's almost like more than an hour from where we are right now. I don't understand the housing prices continually rising when so many people are living in California and there should be a surplus of housing. 
Uh, we've been actually looking, and we've noticed that houses have gone down. There was one that uh, my wife was looking at the other day, and she just keeps an eye on everything because she wants to buy a house. Uh, we, we would eventually want to buy a house. But she saw one drop $45,000 just recently. So she's been watching. She says the, the prices are going down again. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know how much they're going to go down. Some of these houses you look at and you're like, I don't want to buy a townhouse for $645,000. Um, so I want to wait until it's actually reasonable. Maybe I want to buy my own house with like a backyard and stuff like that. So. China and BlackRock are buying up homes in California. BlackRock's the biggest issue. You know, BlackRock can come in and outbid everybody. And that's a big issue. And, you know, someone just mentioned the housing bubble is about to burst. I'm I'm concerned that with the housing bubble bursting, that would just give incentive for places like BlackRock to just swoop in and buy up even more properties at, on the cheap. Or, 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 this is the other thing I saw believe it was on Bloomberg or somebody was talking about it. Um, actually, that's a good comment, Carmen. I want to get back to that because Mexico does not allow foreigners to buy any sort of property. And I think we talked about that way back maybe last year when we had somebody on who was an expert in China, uh, is that Mexico doesn't allow foreign buyers or foreign entities to buy any of their property. Um, and if you put sort of a moratorium on foreign buyers, you might see a it better for Californians or Americans in general. Um, but the other thing I heard, and this is talking about BlackRock and all these companies, is if there is a burst and the bubble bursts and all these prices go down, think about how many houses they have on their asset sheets that they may say this is not really a good investment. So we're going to start getting rid of and selling all of these housing. So that may be one of the upsides of the housing bubble bursting is that a lot of these big companies like BlackRock will look at their asset sheets and go, uh, well, it's not really profitable for us to hold on to these houses because they're all going down. So we're going to start selling out, selling off a lot of these houses, which may create a deluge of supply back on the market, which will cause the prices to go down even further. So, you know, it's all connected. It's the free market. That's what happens. You know, Gavin Newsom thinks that the government's the solution to free market because that's how it works when stuff fails in the free market just have the government do it because they do a way better job yeah you can only lease land in mexico if uh you are a foreign citizen uh you can lease for like a 99 year lease but again i don't know how you know i wouldn't being a foreign citizen i that is not favorable to foreign citizens owning property i don't know how safe i would feel even having a 99 year lease i don't i don't know they could just change the law and say okay now we're going to get rid of you so but if you know someone who is a mexican citizen you can buy property i don't foresee sacramento homes dropping as far as cities along the coast but we'll see uh yeah i don't know much about Sacramento, but I do see prices going down here when it comes to housing. People leaving, interest rates rising, mortgage applications going down, demand is going down. Um, the longer places sit on the market, the longer they're, you, the more their prices are going to get slashed. You know, the more they're going to just keep slashing more and more. So hopefully it does go down. Um, 
I, I mean, I hopefully for people like me who want to buy a house, it goes down. I feel bad for anybody who owns a house right now. I don't want the bubble to burst and to have your whole equity wiped out. But that's the problem when the Fed plays too much games with the economy and they print money and then inflation and they allow companies like BlackRock to be too big to fail. And, you know, that's what happens when you have the government really intervening in the economy too much to keep pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping because it's not politically advantageous to have uh, to have a bust. Right. So. Um, let's see. The difference is that there is far more inventory in 2008 when the bubble burst. There really isn't the inventory now. There would be need to be massive layoffs and the people going to foreclosures. Yeah, I think they're holding off a lot of foreclosures um, because of COVID and stuff like that. It, it's a perfect storm right now, and I think it's headed towards uh, a big drop soon. They're going to try and pump it up as much as possible, but bottom line. We're still looking at you to lead the seat flipping revolution, so you have to tell us what to do. Well, that's what the Cal Republican Caucus is for, and I'm, I'm happy to say we're back on track with the Cal Republican Caucus. We've we've been discussing. We're going to get back out there. We're going to make it official, and we're going to start being able to raise money and start getting out there and working on stuff. So I think it'll mostly be a San Diego, Orange County thing for right now, because if it can work in Orange County and San Diego, then we'll just keep replicating it throughout the entire state. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, for the Cal Republican caucus to get more active again, um, officially and, and, you know, see where it goes, because I think we need leaders and we need people who are actually going to provide real solutions and not just say they are not Democrats and hope that people will vote for them. Because just saying in California, saying you're not a Democrat is not going to cut it. Like you actually have to, you actually have to provide solutions. Uh, let's help Tamika Hamilton win. Yeah, hopefully Tamika wins. We love Tamika Hamilton. She's one of our favorite guests. She's a she's a close friend. So, um, condo for almost a million. Ooh, geez. In Laguna Niguel. Well, that's a nice area too, Laguna Niguel. So, I don't I don't expect anything to be cheap in Laguna Niguel. Um, every once in a while for traveling up in Orange. I think I can't remember the last time I was in Laguna Niguel. It was probably. Um, I don't know how many years ago when I went up to interview Anthony Tremino for the first time, I interviewed him at his office and we drove back the, the scenic route from Orange County because we want to stop and get lunch at Javier's. So it's been a while since I've been up in that area, but it's a beautiful area. I mean, that's, that's why I'm not shocked that they're, they have expensive prices. All right. Well, uh, did hop on a little bit later, so gave you a couple extra minutes. Um, mother-in-law is having trouble selling her home in Carlsbad. Interesting. Um, just goes to show you, it was you know it is it is hard to sell property now. People aren't really buying, so when people don't buy, guess what happens? People start slashing, and those prices start to fall because no one's buying. Javier's, yeah, Javier's um, is a. What is this Javier's? I'll be in OC next month. Javier's is an upscale Mexican restaurant. Uh, very famous. Uh, very good food. Uh, really kind of swanky place. Um, and it's right there like on the cliffs. Um, so it's right there overlooking the ocean. It's very, very nice. Um, so that's where we stopped for lunch on the way back. Because uh, we just had all the time. We put the whole day aside. So we're like, we have all this time. Why don't we just stop and get expensive mexican food 
Yeah, it, it can be a little expensive, but it's good. It's good. Um, I'm very wary, and I'll finish with this thought, kind of rounding it out before we go to our podcast tomorrow night. Remember, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. live on YouTube, we're going to have Anthony Cabasas, um, uh, Cabasa, I think it's Cabasa, uh, and Karina Manuela, who are going to be on, and we're going to be talking about far-right Latino summer um, and basically what it means to, if you're not with the program are you a hispanic who's determined to be far right uh but my thing about expensive mexican food is that it's really hit or miss and that nine times out of ten i would much rather go to like a place like tacos el gordo or uh like a street taco like a, a taco truck or something like that um where i can buy a fish taco for 350 and it's going to be way better than like in $12 fish taco at a really expensive place. But Javier's is good. Javier's is really good. It's one of those rare places. A lot of times they try and make like Tokaya or organic or something. That's another chain and it's like healthy Mexican food. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't really work. And it's expensive. It's expensive. And oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely against crispy tacos. Hard shell tacos. Yeah, I'm against hard shell tacos. That's like white people tacos, crispy tacos. Um, but yeah. Anyway, you know, like crispy tacos I like are, are potato tacos when you fry them with the potatoes in them. So with that said, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow at um, at 8 p.m. We're going to have Anthony Gabasis and Karina Manuela. We're going to be talking about a lot of these issues, uh, and it'll be a good one. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It must be an Italian thing. Me neither. My mother... She would get the Ortega and she would just get those those like Ortega packets, um, which had like the hard shell tacos and all the mixings in there. And I hate I, I couldn't stand the hard shell tacos. I was all about the flour tortillas or the softer tortillas. I couldn't stand it. And now I've grown to love corn tortillas even more. So anyway, with that said, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, same time 9 a.m coffee in california politics and uh yeah see you all tomorrow night so thanks for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 